Welcome back, everybody, to the Cinnabums channel. Uh, I like to look at this channel as your safe haven for film love and film nerdum, and honestly, just being a bum when it comes to cinema, just watching movies all day long. Um, your boy, producer Jake's back. I did the Crimes of the Future Cronenberg episode with my friend Lucas. We got, I really appreciate all the feedback for that episode, honestly. Like, I'm not used to being on the mic, I'm used to being sort of on the sideline as like a, as a, a team player for it. So, I'm not used to hosting and I really appreciate all the kind words and people that enjoyed listening to us rant about Cronenberg and really uh, try attempting to dissect his movies. It's, it's really tough. Um, but man, I'm so overjoyed to have my guest today. Um, he's got a huge YouTube channel in the world of film. He's the king of criterion. If I do say <laughs> so myself, <laughs> you can see behind him. He's got a wicked collection, a great collection. <laughs> Carlos from the Misfit Pond channel. Man, dude, thank you so much for doing dude. this with me. Nah, man, thank you. I'm really excited about this and I'm happy to be here, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I off, I recommend your channel all the time to my friends <laughs> who are like obsessed with films and it's particularly like the Criterion collection and like, yeah. Our, our tour driven cinema as pretentious as that sounds but <laughs> yeah that's what we no. like that's what we nerd out about and you uh, you definitely have great knowledge about that stuff thanks dude i mean i do want to say you said i had a huge youtube channel that is very <laughs> generous of you to say <laughs> um yeah i mean it's 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 something i mean i'm glad that i have people like you who are really enthusiastic about it i mean even if I were to end my channel today, I'm just like very grateful to have people like you out there that, you know, get a lot of enjoyment out of what I've done so far. So I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I'll be, I'll, I will support you for as long as you do it. Um, you Thank know, you. until you get a feature film off the gate, out of the gate, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Is, I definitely want to get into that. Like, so were yeah. you, were you, did it like coincide with your film love starting the Misfit Pond channel? Or was it like, directing you know like was it directing first or was it youtube well i've always wanted to be a filmmaker first like that's that's what i went to college for like with the intention of you know eventually getting a career in filmmaking um but first off i would have never gone to college if like my dad didn't offer to pay for tuition like because mm. you know film school and really art school in general is very risky and I don't know if I could really recommend anybody taking out loans to go to an art school or doing filming or anything like that, because it's, uh, I don't know if it's really worth being in debt for something like that. Um, you know, honestly, even though I finally graduated, uh, a lot of my knowledge just kind of came from watching film myself, watching uh, some of my favorite directors make films, um, you know, just hearing what a lot of what my favorite directors had to say about the filmmaking process. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I did learn a hand, you know, a decent handful of stuff from college, but um, I think what has helped me the most really is like looking at a lot of behind the scenes stuff from my favorite filmmakers and also mm -hmm. putting in some of the experience and making my own short films and also watching a lot of films and studying it and stuff like that. But um, anyway, yeah. So like I, first and foremost, I, I want to be a filmmaker. Um, you know, the YouTube thing was, basically just because I also realized that I enjoy talking about film and filmmaking and I figured why not? Like, let's just do this thing and uh, let's mm -hmm. see where this goes. 
And if anything, it could help, you know, eventually set a platform and a base for the future to when like it can maybe help me get notoriety. So eventually I can use this as a way to become a filmmaker. Um, right. Right. But yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's a really relatable journey. I mean, I, I, I also went to film school and I kind of, I really liked what you said about taking out loans. You know, it's not like the most ideal situation for studying something that you could sort of obtain yourself by just watching film. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, lo I look at film school at a really weird uh, decision I made because it's like what I've learned a lot, you know, making films with my friends and sort of writing scripts on the side and sort of figuring that whole mentality of being a filmmaker out by myself. So it's an interesting yeah. journey, man. And like, I feel like doing the YouTube thing and constantly being sort of entrenched in films all the time. Yeah. Um, especially really, really imperative stuff like in the Criterion Collection that you're that you have that you sort of explore a lot you know that really it teaches you a lot man it's like it's its own film school in and of itself yeah absolutely like especially with stuff like criterion they ha they offer just mountains of like you know special features or supplements as they call them um yeah. and like you know just through those like you could learn so much about like the filmmaking process and just like the art behind filmmaking so i really like college helps most with like you know, talking to fellow aspiring filmmakers, gaining connections and obviously getting the degree, you know, it is, it depends on your plan after college too. Like some people plan to like directly go into, you know, being like a, like a PA afterwards and just kind of doing that thing. Uh, but then you got people like me who they get their degree and they still kind of plan on doing things independently. And like, they just hope with a combination of their portfolio and their degree that eventually like someone will recognize their talents or something and make it that way. Yeah. So would your ultimate next step, you know, I know you've done a few short films, you got yeah. the horror short uh, festival that I definitely want to get into too as well. Yep. Like would a self-financed like feature film or maybe a crowdfunded independent feature be like an ideal next step for you? Cause it Absolutely. seems like you're definitely on that, on that path right now. Yeah. Like that would be, the ultimate goal for me like right now my plan is to make like three or four more short films like three or four more like promising short films and um like after that point i've just write a full-length script i've by the way i've i have experience when it comes to like directing and producing short films but i don't really have a lot of experience screenwriting that's like one of my blind mm. spots like i'm not really i don't consider myself much of a writer a lot of the stuff that i like all the short films that i made I just gathered all the ideas in my head and then just put it to life, like behind the camera. Like I didn't write anything down basically. Oh, you, you, um, you didn't even go there with a script, like a storyboard even just kind of like, I wow. just did it from like, just, I mean, they're short films. So like, it's not like I had to retain that much information, right, but right. you know, um, I don't have that excuse when it comes to a full length film. Like I pretty much have to buckle down and I have to like, you know, make myself write a full length script. So um, yeah, I mean, what I'm going to do is like, I'm going to make three or four more shorts. Um, and after that point, write a full length script and do my best to, you know, finance that on my own somehow, you know, whether it's through crowdfunding mm -hmm. on the internet or, um, you know, shit, if I have to try to take out a loan or something, but yeah. I, I, I really want to, that you're right. Like that is like my ultimate goal at this point is to self-finance my own feature length film. Really cool, man. I mean, I'll, I will be here to help support you when that the time comes. We will promote Carlos's feature film when the time <laughs> comes on the Cinebums channel. That's for sure. That's um, so fucking awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course, dude. Um, 
but yeah, that's again, very relatable journey. I definitely see eye to eye with you and a lot of what you said, um, being awesome. a director would be an ideal job in this life, even though it's like one of the most, it seems so unobtainable, you know, like, especially when I was in high school before film school, it's like, how do you get to the point where you, you have authorship and ownership over a piece of art like that? It was so, yeah, it was such a foreign concept to me, but you, you, you said like meeting other filmmakers, like people in that pursuit. Yeah. It's kind of comforting because, you know, there's a lot of people in that arena with you and like struggling to get by. But we have this just burning passion for like a really particular thing. So I. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, that's why I love talking about like the process, because it's so everyone's got their own route to get to where they want to yeah. be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's crazy because like as my entire time in college, since I'm such a socially anxious and awkward person, I didn't like I didn't make pretty much any friends i mean i made a few friends along the way but most of the friends that i made were like the last day of college like my, <laughs> literally the last day and Damn. it wasn't even like it wasn't even fully intentional like a lot of it happened naturally which was kind of crazy mm -hmm. like a lot of like i remember in uh my senior seminar class i had to give a uh presentation on a on a because he gave everybody a prompt and we could choose you know between a bunch of different stuff i chose to do a video essay type thing because it's just my wheelhouse i've done it a million times before yeah so i did that and i uh one of the films that we saw in that class was a film called children of paradise and i think it's a 10 out of 10 film absolute masterpiece I honestly a lot of i just blind it? bought that i oh, wish shit. i could grab it right now i just blind yeah. bought it during this past sale and i can't wait to watch it so yeah, dude, like that. I obviously I own it. Um, mm -hmm. but like that, like that was probably my favorite film you showed us that that year. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna do a scene analysis on this film and make that like my final project. So that's what I did. And I presented it and I had like three people in the class tell me, Hey, I know your channel because I saw your like mother explain video or your uh uh <laughs> nice. killing of a sacred deer explain video. And mm -hmm. it felt like surreal. I was like, What the fuck? Like that's really? wild, dude. Yeah, yeah. So like I made friends that way on like the last day and like I, I had another uh, uh, philosophy course too. And in that, that class, I made a few friends as well. So I mean, it's crazy, but like the last day I made like five or six important friends and throughout my like five to six year run in college, I didn't really make <laughs> any friends. <laughs> Dude, film school is a hard place to, to meet like friends that you'd hang out with outside of school. Cause you're everyone's so, at least my experience, everyone was so solely focused on their their craft and, you know, like yeah. whether they're a writer, editor, producer, director, everyone was really solely committed to the craft. And yeah. And, you know, it was weird, man. Like, I, I mean, I, my roommate currently, he's a screenwriter and we both bonded over movies, but mostly about writing. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, he's a he's a subscriber of you, by the way. He loves your channel. Oh, shit, shout, awesome. shout out to Brendan. Um he, Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it. Yeah, he he watches all the halls, man. He's 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 a fan. <laughs> the um, halls are a hit, man. They're a the hit. halls are a big <laughs> hit, dude. Um, yeah, that's a good segue because the, I found the halls. I'll be honest, like a lot of my friends in film school don't like going out and buying a shit ton of Criterion's at one time because we're all so yeah. broke. Yeah. So, <clears throat> besides Brendan, Brendan's the only friend I found <laughs> that will go out and just spend two hundred dollars on movies in a single day. Um. So I would go, I would go to YouTube because mm -hmm. like, I felt like I was crazy. I'm like, I'm the only one that likes to collect in movies in this day and age where physical media is dying. 
That's and true. You were one of the first people I found. Um, That's awesome. And it was through like, I don't remember the exact video, but I think it was, I think it was one of the first or second criterion hauls you ever did. Mm-hmm. And yeah, dude, there's, I don't know. I just, I love those videos and I, I kind of segued into the analysis and everything. And I kind of <clears throat> binged your channel during quarantine. It's um, awesome. Pretty much, I mean, man. I mean, that's the goal. Like, you know, I, I mean, I love the hall videos. Like I love doing them and like, they're great videos because like, it's really easy for me to do. Like for me, that's <laughs> compared to like the video essays and the reviews, like the calls are pretty low effort. Cause I'm just kind of being me and I'm shooting this. Yeah. Shit and I'm just, I'm just having fun. Like, you know, picking up all the films that I love. Um, what's not easy is like the fucking hole that gets burned in my wallet. Because <laughs> I know some oh, people man. think like, especially like when I had Perry Law, they're like, how does people have so much fucking money? First of all, like <laughs> me personally, I don't have a lot of money. I'm being insanely irresponsible. Me neither, much money dude. <laughs> so like, it's it's not like oh. I'm, I'm doing something that is like, I'm not supposed to be spending this much on criteria, <laughs> but I do it anyway because I just have a lot of fun doing it. And yeah. Like, and it's a sale. Like I have to, like if I'm going to, I don't spend much money on myself really like at all. And if I'm going to spend money on myself, I'd rather splurge like on this and, you know, not maybe not eat for a few days. It's worth it, whatever. <laughs> Dude, that's so relatable because I, it's in the months of July and it's in November when Barnes does the other one, right? I think it's November. I just, I, I dread looking at my credit card bill every fucking time. Cause it'll be like, I'll always be like, okay, I'll spend 150. I'll treat myself to that. Cause like yeah. you said, I don't really treat myself to a lot of things in life. Cause yeah. I work a pretty low wage job. I have to pay rent in my car. It's the grind of being an adult. Right. And just like to collect fucking criterions on top of that. Yeah. It's so irresponsible, but there's something so gratifying. Like like you gotta have something in life. Like, you know, maybe like, it should be like, whatever, like everybody has those irresponsible things they do, but it gives me joy. So I'm I'm willing to, I'm I'm willing to bite the bullet on it. Cause it's like, it just, why not? (laughs) Like, I don't have, we don't have much like, let me have my criteria. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. I definitely want to circle back to physical media. I feel like we can do yeah. a ton of that towards the end. Um, oh, yeah. But kind of segue into like your analysis videos. I think what I really uh, gravitated towards was that I felt like I was talking with one of my friends about a movie, but in a more, you don't do it in a pretentious way. It's more like I'm coming from this as like, someone who wants to learn about film and appreciate it more than like, I want to over explain things and have a really clickbaity, you know, thumbnail and title. Yeah. Like I felt like it really came from like, you reminded me of friends I had in film school that just like to kind of just dissect shit for the sake of it. And cause we just love movies. Um, and you, you mentioned um, killing it of a sacred deer was like one of my first ones. Cause like that movie bewildered the shit out of me as, yeah. as does a lot of Yorgos Lanthimos <laughs> films. Um, but yeah, that's dude. That's a great video, and Thanks. I think it's like your most. View- I think I went through your most viewed, and that's like it pretty is. high up there, right? Yeah, it's but it's my most viewed video. I mean, I have that video to thank for a lot of. I mean, besides the halls, like that analysis video. I mean, it's I did not expect it to get as many views as I think. Right now, it's I think it has like three, like close to three hundred fifty thousand or more. Damn. Um. Yeah. So like. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you described your experience with those videos the way you did, because that's, that's like who I am. Like I, there's sometimes when I watch like explain videos and stuff, I see people and they talk about it, but they talk about it in this like, you know, 
super smart you know they had the like the highest brow vocabulary possible and like you know maybe i'm just dumb but like sometimes i just feel like i don't i'm not really getting much out of it um so like when i try to explain stuff yeah i try to you know use you know a vocabulary that is you know a little bit more evolved but at the same time like i i'm also being me and i'm not the smartest person ever either so my vocabulary is pretty minimal so at the sure. end of the day, I come off just kind of like a guy who just loves films and is trying to explain it, you know, to the best of my knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm glad that's that's your experience with it because that's basically exactly like what it is and what I'm going for, basically. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I could tell, and it's it's a very personable way too. You know, it's it's it feels like I'm talking to a friend is the best way I could describe it, and that's that's what I love about YouTube, um, and 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 film that's lovers right. through YouTube, absolutely, uh, and irre- irreversible was another one because that's a movie that yeah genuinely and again as as all our gaspar noe movies have a similarity um completely per- perplexed to how to digest certain sequences yeah um and i believe you analyzed the sequence with the fire extinguisher yeah <laughs> um which is honestly one of the most striking and impactful moments i've ever experienced in any movie ever and I honestly yeah. just looked up that scene because I wanted to watch it. And I and your video popped up. I was like, no fucking way. Carlos <laughs> made a video on this scene. And like, I always felt like it was a scene I could never get out of my head. And like years down the line, and I looked it up and I found your video. Um, and yeah, I pretty, I, yeah, it was a great analysis again. Yeah, it was a great video. Thank you, dude. Like that, I wanted to do that scene because I feel like, you know, everybody who talks about that film, they usually talk about the rape scene. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I understand why, because it's to me, I mean, th- that film is my number one most traumatizing film ever like <laughs> that I've ever witnessed. And yeah. it's mostly because of that scene. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people really don't talk about the fire extinguisher scene that much. And that scene, I remember when I first watched the film, like I was like this scene, I did not see coming because nobody talks about it. So like when that scene happened, I had such a visceral reaction to it. Like I actually, I literally gagged. I don't, I'll, I don't ever gag watching movies, but then that scene made me gag. I was like, this, this is the most like, you know, boundary pushing, like piece of violent filmmaking that I've seen like in a very long time. And again, like it, it was just so impressive to me because it, the film is so immersive aesthetically through the direction. Like the, the film just starts out with a bang with the, you know, chaotic and erratic camera work mm-hmm. going everywhere you know, makes you like, it makes you want to vomit on that just with that alone, because it's just so like disorienting with all the camera movements. And then just the way that Gaspar Noah is like, you know, explores the space within the, the rectum is the name of the the, the gay club. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, it, it, that's like one of the most immersive and traumatizing like experiences I've had watching a film because of it's, mm-hmm. it's because of Gaspar Noah's direction. It's incredible. And with great detail and intentionality, which yeah. I appreciate, you know, like that, I think in your analysis and when I was watching the film, I felt the same way that it really jumpstarts like really this journey through hell for Vance Fitzgerald's character. And that's like, it kind of propels the rest of the movie and the tone of the movie. Um, and yeah. so much to an, uh, unpack within like basically a wonder um, is that I, it's harder for me to describe no way's camera work, you know, just, what you yeah. said about it is like gliding, but yeah, that sequence was always, I would say like the greatest achievement he's ever had as a director, but that's just me. Um, no, I mean, you know, I mean, I haven't given, I haven't given it that much thought, but I don't think that's unreasonable to say like he achieved so much with that film. I mean, personally, 
my favorite Gaspar Noah film is still Climax. Um, mm. But Irreversible is arguably like his objective best movie because it's just so like impressive yeah. on so many levels. But Climax is just a film that I, I mean, I loved it so much from the theater. I, I saw it like two more times, but it's just like, Absolutely. I know like, and some people watch Climax and they're like, oh, that movie's so disturbing. I'm like, it is, <laughs> but you know, if you haven't seen Irreversible yet, I wouldn't really say that yet. <laughs> but, yeah, you got to really ease into Noe's work. You know, you yeah. can't really jump into like Climax or even Love. You know, you yeah. kind of Irreversible. Which I haven't seen Love yet, by the really? way. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Because just too many people that I know just said like, it's whatever. So I'm like, okay, well, I just, I don't really see myself watching. I mean, I will eventually, but like, oh did, yeah. did, did you enjoy it? I did. It's kind of similar to Vortex. It's kind of a change in tone. It's a dramatic change in tone. It's very erotic. I, I don't know if you, I'm sure you've heard it. There's unsimulated yeah. sex in the film. Um, but the frames in the movie are absolutely gorgeous. Like, and I feel like it's kind of an abstract look at relationships and for, Anyone who's been in relationships, I think that movie really packs a punch and actually has something really meaningful and personal to say. I really like Gaspar Noé when he gets much more, I don't know, internal. Like, that's what I felt with Vortex. It was like a piece of his... Yeah, a piece of his life kind of just thrown at you and it doesn't have to rely on uh, really flashy camera work, which I love. Like, I love Climax and uh, Irreversible. Mm -hmm. Irreversible in French. Um, Yeah. (laughs) um, Yeah. But yeah, dude, I, I'd highly recommend Love. You know, I actually haven't seen Enter the Void, which I know is oh, other man. people say is his magnum opus. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say like just for just because that you like Love and you recommend it, I'll I'll probably watch it sometime soon. I don't know when, but it'll be watched at least within the next three months. I'll cool. I'll give it a shot. Um, and uh, Enter the Void that is actually the very first Gaspar Noah film that I ever that I've ever seen, and that's before I even knew who Gaspar Noah was. Like. I watched really? that film in yeah, I watched it in high school because my friend because <laughs> my friend was just talking about like I had a friend who just knew like all the most fucked up movies ever. And he he mentioned Into the Void right. and he was like, Oh yeah, dude, like the fucking camera goes inside of a vagina. I was like, What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? It's like he's like, Yeah, you gotta watch it. I'm like, okay. So I watched it and I I remember I watched it and I even though I wasn't that huge on it when I first watched it. I remember thinking to myself, like, this is this has to be the most out there and interesting film that I've seen like ever in my life at that point. Sure. At that point, I didn't even know films like that existed. So that was like a brand new thing to me when I watched that film. You know, it's funny you say about having a friend that would just solely recommend like really subversive shit. Cause I had a friend, I think it was like my senior year of college or high school rather recommended a Serbian film to me, <laughs> which for those of you who don't know, that movie is, it's it's like an art piece of just sheer terror. And I had never seen anything like that. And not even like aesthetically, like literally actions in that movie that I had never experienced before that are inexplainable. Um, and I, I haven't even seen like, I don't know, like a Lars von Trier or anything to ease me into that. But yeah, oh that, my God. That, shit's, that shit scarred <laughs> me for a while. So yeah. I I I actually just I really dislike a Serbian film. <laughs> I hated it. I despise it. I'm still traumatized. You know, I was yeah. I was a good little you know kind of like what you're saying, a very shy, reserved mm-hmm. kid. Um, so I I, I, I also I just... also heard about that film in high school as well. I didn't watch it until like years later, 
but that was the same friend, by the way. He actually told me about a Serbian film as well. Right. He told me about that yeah. one, but I didn't. He he told me about what's in it. I was like, I don't, I don't think I can watch that right now. But like later on, it uh, just my, my 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 curiosity was just overwhelming me. So like eventually, I checked it out, and I was like, I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> oh man, uh, speaking of fucked up shit, um, well, not really, but <laughs> you are ma- you are hosting a film festival that is yeah. so that's solely gonna be horror films horror is it horror shorts right like that's the distinction like it's mostly short films that you're gonna be accepting yeah it's all it's all short films so if your film is like between like 30 seconds long to 15 minutes that's like our cutoff so Mm -hmm. um i mean we wanted to like accept longer films but we were kind of worried about taking up too much time during the film festival so, you know, we just wanted to have as many films as, as we could possibly showcase, like, in a small span of time. So we're just accepting short films. And plus, we figured, like, you know, most most aspiring filmmakers, they don't have the money to make a full-length film anyway. Mm-hmm. So, like, most, most aspiring filmmakers are making shorts. So, but, yeah, like, the goal behind the whole horror film festival, well, first and foremost, I just thought it would be a really fun thing to do. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've I've, my films have been a part of a few film festivals, and I thought to myself, like, It'd be really fun if I could be able to do this on my own. Um, but, you know, I also have to thank my friend Stephen Watkins because Stephen Watkins helped, uh, helped me come up with the idea. And I thought it sounded like a really fun idea. And I'm like, we could just host it on the channel. Uh, you do do like a live stream. And um, the goal would be just, you know, not only for like just me to have like a fun experience, but also to like inspire a lot of people out there who like, you know, maybe they've only made one short and they've been off the wagon for a while. And they want to get back into it. Or just to inspire people who have never made a short but have had a really creative mind for a long time. And hopefully, like, this would help them, like, you know, finally give them that push to make something. Mm-hmm. And um, so far, like, I mean, I there's there's a few people in the in the Discord, uh, Kaylin and Souffle, and they're they're already set to, like, make stuff like just for the film. They've, they never made anything ever, and they're going to oh, make nice. something just for the film festival. So really cool. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So – obviously we'll link it in the description of our video and, and the podcast and everything, but like on Mike, where can people find that? Like what's the link or the, the film freeway freeway link yeah. and all that stuff. So, so the thing about this is that since it's an online only film festival, film freeway doesn't allow for people to search for it publicly. So if you go to the uh, film freeway website and you type in the misfit pond horror film festival, ain't shit going to show up. So like okay. you have to, you have to share it through the link. And I posted the link on the special announcement video that I made for it. Um, but yeah, like the goal is to like, hopefully have a lot of people share the link around. And um, so that way they could find it that way. I mean, it would be absolutely ideal if people could, could just search for it. But um, since they have mm-hmm. that policy, it's going to be a little harder to get people involved. But so far, I mean, we've had a we've had a handful of submissions, which I'm really proud of. So nice. Yeah. Well, I really admire what you're doing, man. It's a really cool thing to do with your platform and everyone just... Subscribe to his channel if you haven't already, and look. Oh, for, thanks. Look out for that. <laughs> look out for that festival. You got it, man. Uh, and everybody think- from my channel, subscribe to the Cinnabons podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I would really appreciate. It. I know. I know a few of you already through the Discord, but I'd really appreciate it if you guys listen to our ridiculous, stupid podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna come back to talk about inspiring directors, which I can't wait to talk about with with I- Carlos here. It's going to be a whole lot of fun.
welcome back everybody we appreciate you listening and and carlos is still with me and we are going to be of course he is <laughs> and we're going to be talking about uh inspiring directors because i think i mean I, I i can always speak for myself but i really i really dictate yeah. my movie watching and my inspiration for writing directing all this shit mostly by directors like catalogs of directors and and I, I i don't know i like to collect their movies i like to collect i just really nerd out about directors in general i don't know if you have the same feeling but and of oh, course dude. you want you want to be a director so you have some affinity for for filmmakers <laughs> oh yeah i mean absolutely like when you said that this segment was going to be about our most inspiring directors i'm like okay do we have like a day's worth of time or because <laughs> like i could go on like for days about this shit um as could i as could i um yeah do you want to go first or sure man i mean yeah. I, I i kind of made the list based on sort of like a personal timeline of me of like excuse me of when i got into film uh which was in high school um i was really i was really into like video games television shows and books first and foremost um always loved the idea of being a writer but i didn't you know film was such a foreign concept like i love tarantino movies i love you know comedies like studio comedies like judd apatow and john yeah. hughes and stuff like that like really simple taste but um what really prompted it honestly um and it, it might sound super mainstream but it was i got real super into john carpenter when i was in high school okay. um i saw the original halloween movie and for those of you who've seen this that film which i'm sure is a lot of you guys like it's a very bare bones production um you could kind of feel the cuts you can feel the camera work as very homemade if that mm -hmm. makes any sense you even the aesthetic like michael myers himself feels extremely homemade um, yeah, it like it's a very raw kind of film absolutely and on a shoestring shoestring budget of course like infamously low budget <clears throat> yeah and that was the first time i could really feel that okay there were people like pulling the strings on this to create a very terrifying and oddly relatable experience i really relate to halloween because i grew up in suburbia um in <laughs> illinois which that film takes place in so yeah man and then i started going down john carpenter's catalog and i just i, I really started loving movies through like genre stuff like horror and like exploitation yeah. action movies like wes craven was huge for me so i'm kind of defining this era was like i i I had known who like Chris Nolan was and Steven Spielberg and like yeah. David Fincher even um, just cause like my dad really introduced me to like the essential movies like Scarface and the Godfather, yeah. you know? Um, but like, this was something I found on my own. I found John Carpenter. I found Wes Craven. I found like the scream movies. Um, and yeah, man, for me, it was like horror. It was those things and like John, like They Live and Big Trouble in Little China, which is some stuff that really resonated with me personally. So yeah, that was me, man. That was kind of like what kickstarted everything. And I started going through, because I remember Carpenter talked about his influences that he wears on his sleeves. And he talked about like Howard Hawks and like earlier, uh, you know, like Carl Dreyer, like really weird vampire movies from the 30s. Yeah. And when I got to film school, I was like, all right, I got to like start going deeper and deeper. And it just became obsessed with 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 it. So that was like what broke the floodgates, if you will. So so what about you, man? Like what was what what kind of blew your head open? Who was uh, okay. it? OK, so basically, like, first of all, I kind of have to thank my 
dad because for the longest i mean my dad's not like my, my dad's a he he's a casual film goer but he just likes movies in general like he always took me to the movies as a kid um like all the fucking time and like it wasn't mm-hmm. until like i was a teenager and like going into high school that i realized i i went to the movies like way more often than your average like you know kid did um but like you know we started with the basics i mean i i enjoyed like you know the normal stuff any kid would like i loved a lot of any especially any 90s kid like i loved adam sandler comedies like a lot uh you know jim jim carrey comedies mm-hmm. I, I still love a lot you know i and people always like there's people that are like really really embarrassed to you know say that they that they liked Adam Sandler. I'm not. I embrace it. I love Adam Sandler. <laughs> Even now, I still love all of those Adam Sandler comedies to death. Um, Absolutely. But like, but you know, obviously, as I grew up, like you know, I started watching more, uh, you know, more more creative filmmaking stuff that was from like uh you know Quentin Tarantino, uh, Nolan, you know, filmmakers like that. That like I was like, wow, this is like really great filmmaking. But like, I still didn't feel like I wanted to make films or anything. I was just like really enjoying the journey. Um, it really wasn't until Stanley Kubrick came into my life that like I started to realize that I really, really love the art of filmmaking. And this is quite possibly something that I would like to pursue in my life. Um, I mean, obviously, like I knew of some of his more famous films like The Shining like when I was a lot younger, but you know, I didn't know who was attached to the film or anything. It was just like, you know, one of those like iconic scary movies that everybody knew, but like, it wasn't until I watched the clockwork orange and it was like, that was a film that I only watched because, you know, everybody called it one of the most scariest movies or at least one of the most disturbing movies ever made. So I just wanted to watch it for that. And what I got was like one of the most unique creative and yes, one of the most disturbing films that I've seen, especially at the time. Um, there's just something about that film's personality and that film's uniqueness mm-hmm. that just really struck a chord with me. And I just thought, wow, like this is, it's again, like one of those first movies where you realize this film has such personality to it and such creativity to it. And I just found it so thought provoking and again, very disturbing, but disturbing in a way that really made you think about a lot of different things. And um, I mean, just from that opening shot alone, I was just like, this is something that is just really special and different. And, you know, ever since then, really, like, I realized I wanted to be a filmmaker or at least wanted to do something in my life career-wise I had to do with filmmaking. But I do want to give a shout-out to the... Uh, I do want to give a shout-out to the filmmaker Paul Thomas Anderson because um, I watched that... Uh, I watched uh, There Will Be Blood, which is now my favorite film of all time. I used to be Clockwork Orange, but now, now it's There Will Be Blood because... Like I watched that film when it first came out, basically, and I was only like in eighth grade when it came out. And mm. I, even as an eighth grader, I something about that movie I fell in love with. I don't know if it was just because of you know the exceptional performance from uh, Daniel Day Lewis, or like it was the style, or maybe everything. But like something about that mm. movie just really resonated with me, and it blew me away. But, um, you know, that was like, you know, a little earlier on where I still didn't really know this is what I wanted to do or anything. I just knew that I did love movies a lot. And There Will Be Blood was like one of the first ones where I was like, this is just really blowing me away. This is and it sucks because I couldn't relate to it with anybody because like no other eighth grader (laughs) watched There Will Be Blood. You know, they don't give a shit about that. Um, You know, it's 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 it was it was one of the early on moments, though, in my life where I'm like, I think this is this is something that I want to do. 
but it really wasn't until Stanley Kubrick came along and I was like, damn. And then after Clockwork Orange, I just started watching a lot of his films, obviously. Like 2001 blew me away. And I was like, this is insane. The fact that it got made in 1960, well, got produced in 1966, then it came out to 1969, I believe, around there. Um, mm-hmm. It just was mind blowing to me, like just mind blowing filmmaking. So, like, really, like the most, my favorite filmmaker of all time is Stanley Kubrick, and my most inspiring filmmaker is Stanley Kubrick, like without a doubt. Mm. Um, just like his style and his ambition and his creativity and his ability to make timeless pieces of filmmaking is just, it's just so impressive to me and so admirable. Like, I, I really, really love and admire Stanley Kubrick as a filmmaker. He's, he's brilliant. Yeah, he's um he's on the Mount Rushmore of directors for a reason, man. And he, quite like you, he he blew my mind open too. And I, I I saw Clockwork Orange in college, like my freshman year of college, and that was kind of like you said, like a singular personality, a yeah. singular aesthetic, and a singular voice behind the camera and how how he saw the world. And I, yeah. I was like, okay, I kind of understood authorship a little bit more, like a filmmaker yeah. truly putting themselves in the on the canvas you know and and uh, of course yeah kubrick's a master i love i love most of his films um and he was a big one for me too man and you said you mentioned pta which is which he was absolutely massive for me when i was um still getting into film like there will be blood obviously but personally for me it was boogie nights like i think i think i've I, i've argued in the discord when i used to be in it like people would give me shit because i'm like i think boogie nights is secretly his best movie or Mm -hmm. personally my favorite like i love there will be blood but boogie nights was i had i had loved goodfellas and casino um but i didn't have like i love them to death like i i I can't talk bad about them but boogie nights has that same veracity that same style and the same sort of structure even um but it felt like to me it felt more digestible and relatable and kind of i don't know there's something magical about all pta's films that feel kind of otherworldly if that makes yeah. sense no um, I, I can see that yeah and definitely what's insane though is that like he was so young like 2019 made he was 26 yeah, yeah. 26 super inspiring yeah, yeah i actually was, thought he was younger so that's crazy still still though yeah it's insane he's one year older than i am now which is kind of just like what's even the point you know yeah you can't pta, be PTA. He makes you feel like a fucking failure. <laughs> yeah, dude. And but, then similar to Carpenter, I just went on a deep dive. Like Punch Drunk Love is still one of my favorite films. There will yeah. be blood. Magnolia means a lot to me as, as you know, just as a human being. Like there's so much humanity in that film. Um, yeah, he's, you know, I, I was going to bring him up actually, but I'm glad you did because top five directors for me. Um, yeah. Love it, Licorice it Pizza too. Oh, yeah. Great I, I was I was really I was really happy with how the, the way that film came out. Um, totally. Yeah. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, definitely in my top five contemporary filmmakers for sure. Um, easily, easily. Um, just, I, I, the guy just, just he's just dripping with talent like it's insane. <laughs> but it's um, crazy. You, you mentioned Goodfellas earlier, and that is another mm-hmm. film that I watched pretty early on. Like I was. I think I was like in eighth grade or something or maybe ninth grade, but that was definitely a film that like, again, thanks to my dad. Cause he was like, just like, just infatuated with that movie. Yeah. He's like, he's like, he's like, he was surprised. I hadn't seen it by that point. And he's like, you haven't seen Goodfellas. I'm like, no. Dads like, love mob movies, man. Yeah, my dad, they do. They my really dad do. showed me Scarface, Godfather, Goodfellas, Carlito's way. 
Yeah. Um, all that, you know, and and I, I appreciate that because that that's a doorway to new filmmakers. And, uh, you know, it's typical to say because they're widely popular, uh, but some of the greatest movies ever made. Um, and yeah. um, De Palma is actually a good segue because De Palma mm-hmm. was maybe another early. I can't it's hard to remember, but I saw Blowout, I think, when I was. Uh, like just entering high school or like midway through high school. I don't know. Um, and it was because Tarantino had always said that's like the greatest movie ever made, um, which yeah. is pretty, pretty hyperbolic thing to say. But, you know, Tarantino is very particular with his taste and very opinionated. But yeah, but this that, is this was a, in reference to Blowout to Blowout. Yeah, he yeah. said Blowout's like the greatest film ever made. Um, yeah, I, so, I wouldn't go that far, but it is. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, but that 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 sent me down like a path to discover uh not only De Palma's work but like 70s filmmakers and to this day like the 70s are they're just my decade man like we dude same like, <laughs> so yeah and I, I mean I, I've heard you talk about like um a lot of filmmakers that emerged in the 70s and I can yeah. tell you like you have the same itch that I do um yeah to me like the 70s was like the golden age of cinema personally like 100 so just so many fantastic filmmakers so many iconic amazing films came out in the 70s it's just like i don't know like but you're right though like in terms of like dad movies my dad he he loves the godfather i i saw it because of him he loved goodfellas i saw it because of him mm-hmm. uh you know scarface i kind of saw on my own which i film <laughs> i still adore I, I i've seen a handful of uh Brian De Palma films, but Scarface is still my favorite personally. Scarface really? is just so fucking good. Yeah, dude, I got a good. Seen... I would say Carrie is mine. I don't know. If oh, Carrie's pretty good. Yeah, I love Carrie. Um, also because my... I'm a, I'm a Stephen King, uh, huge Stephen King fan, and that's really, in my opinion, one of the greatest adaptations. I say that with an asterisk. He's written a lot of shitty stuff, uh, but kind of similar to what we're talking about. He was someone that uh really inspired me. But you know, we're not talking about King. But, no, uh, no. I mean, if we're talking yeah. about King adaptations, obviously the Shining. The Shining's is up there, obviously. Yeah. Like, I love them both. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I love De Palma, man. Like, there was, again, that led me down this 70s rabbit hole of, like, coked out filmmakers who had boundless creativity and boundless budgets. Yeah. Um, and I wrote a few down in my list because there's so many I love. But the one I really want to talk about, who's my favorite of the 70s, um, and I know for a fact you love this guy, uh, uh, Robert Altman. Robert was... Altman. Yeah. Robert Altman. <laughs> uh... <Robert> film. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Robert Altman's awesome, dude. Yeah. I mean, I, I need to watch more of his movies, but like so far, his movies from the 70s, with the mm-hmm. exception of Shortcuts, because Shortcuts, I think, is my 90s. favorite Robert Altman film. Yeah. yeah. Masterpiece. Um, yeah. Yeah. I fucking love that movie. But uh, Three Women is fantastic. Nashville is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, dude. I was. It was, I saw three women in Nashville, like within the same few days when I was yeah. like super wanting to get into his films. Cause I just, I, I adored him. Um, yeah. And those movies just are so foundational for me now. Cause I'm like, they, I, I really compare a lot of things. Cause if you look at PTA's work, even like he was so inspired by Robert Altman um, and so many contemporary yeah. people that are like making really, really large scale movies, like really character driven movies that are heavy in scope. Um, but kind of like to have like ensemble casts, you know, with yeah. Nashville and shortcuts and stuff like that. And I just love those movies so much. Um, 
Uh, quick recommendation. I don't know if you've seen, um, uh, I believe it came out in 1970, Brewster McCloud uh, that Robert Altman made. It is bizarre. It is hilarious. I can't explain the plot to you. It's it's really, it's the most 70s movie, I think, that exists. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Brewster McCloud, everyone, please check it out. It's not for everybody, but for me, it's one of the most unique character studies. Think about like Taxi Driver, but it's like a nerd who's obsessed with birds and he lives in a, <laughs> in a stadium by himself and he's like a womanizer. That but sounds so interesting. It is so <laughs> interesting. And that's why Robert Altman, like every film he made, he took a big swing. Like he yeah. maybe MASH is the exception because that, that was kind of a... Uh, a populist film but like every movie he made in the 70s especially um just a huge swing and he was his movies just i don't know they really resonate with me um do you have another director in the 70s that you want to bring up uh since we're in that sort of realm well what i was gonna say really quick is that i kind of have my cousin eric to thank for kind of like introducing me to a lot of I don't want to say they're not well known because like in the Kino community, what like I like to call, you know, they're they're pretty well known. But like at the time, like when I was, you know, I was still in college, you know, getting getting ready to graduate, I still was kind of like only on the surface knowing the more popular directors like Paul Thomas Anderson, Quentin Tarantino, sure, uh, Stanley Kubrick, Nolan, and all that stuff. And like it wasn't until like Eric started like, you know, telling me about filmmakers like Mikkel Hanukkah and mm-hmm. uh, Lars von Trier. I mean, I knew about von, von Trier, but I never even bothered to check out any of his films because just because of the fact that just by association with like a lot of videos that I used to watch, they just considered him to be like this just shocking for shock's sake director. So like for the longest time, I didn't check out any of his movies that I thought he was just, you know, just a just an edgelord, which he is an edgelord. But, you know, he's he he's an edgelord with like genuine intentions. So like, sure, you know, it wasn't until like, you know, thanks to Eric, like I kind of started diving deeper down into the rabbit hole of like learning about more, you know, prominent directors that are really like well respected in the art community. Right. Um, people that have their films like premiere at Cannes, perhaps. Yeah. You know, like people like that. Yeah. Like and uh, I guess I talk about like filmmakers from the seventies. I mean, it's, it's tough to like bring it off the top of my head, but like, mm-hmm. you know, Stanley Kubrick, yeah. uh, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, obviously. Amazing uh, decade. Yeah. Robert Altman. Um, I mean, there's just, there's just so many and it's, I, I'm, I'm pretty bad with like trying to remember things off the top of my head. So I apologize. That's okay, dude. That's okay. But Please. a lot of my favorite films kind of come from the 70s because it's just like 70s was such a it was what was so beautiful about the 70s is that hollywood funded filmmakers that were so boundary pushing and they allowed them to do whatever the hell they wanted there wasn't really as much like you know conservatism with like their budget Mm -hmm. and the the vision they were just like yeah you just you just do you and that's how we got so many like fantastic films absolutely um that uh, that era was incredible, and um, you know, it's re- for those people wondering like why that era died. I highly recommend one. You read Easy Rider's Raging Bull is a, a fantastic book about that era, um, which a lot of people have read, but it's a, an amazing book about that era. 
Um, but there were two films that came out, I believe, uh, in like the early 80s that destroyed the whole like 70s auteur movement. Um, and that's have, uh, uh, One from the Heart by Francis Ford Coppola, which is like his big musical uh, uh, inspired film that tanked and it was a huge budget. Um, and then there was Heaven's Gate by Michael Cimino, mm-hmm. who directed Deer Hunter. And um, he that was one of the biggest studio flops in the history of film. Yeah, I heard and, all about that. I heard, I heard he like single handedly bank, like bankrupt the, the studio that absolutely. Absolutely. And in my opinion, it's on Criterion. If any of you guys want to check it out, if you watch the director's cut, that's an excellent movie that was completely misunderstood for its time because it's very progressive and left leaning politically. So, um, but uh, yeah, like that whole era from beginning to end, like Easy Rider all the way to like Heaven's Gate, I think is super fascinating. Um, that's just a tangent. Um, yeah, do, you no, have, no. do you have any? Uh, yeah. Uh, what other directors did you want to bring up? Oh man, like, I mean, as funny as it is, like, David Lynch. So, but David Lynch, I have like a love hate thing going on with David Lynch because I would not have suspected you would bring up Lynch. Uh. Yeah, because like Lynch, there's there's so many of his films that I I'm just kind of like whatever. Like, what Wild at Heart? I just thought like I don't know. I just couldn't get into it. Like, it's got its moments, but I'm just like, eh um you know blue velvet that's another film that kind of took a long time for me to start appreciating a little bit more um even then like i think it's a pretty damn good movie but i mean this I, that that's it <laughs> that's the one your infamous Which, nemesis yeah my nemesis <laughs> to find. oh i got mine right here yeah oh that's shit no yeah. i forgot i forgot you bought it <laughs> yeah i finally bought it dude <laughs> that's it was, amazing it was a, it was a huge thing. I actually, I actually said, "Fucking," I picked it up. <laughs> Everyone uh, watched the hall videos to know what we're talking about, but yeah, <laughs> Carlos would not pick up Blue Velvet for so long. Um, yeah, it became it was, it kind was, of a meme. It was definitely a meme. <laughs> um, but like, so even though like David Lynch, I there's uh, there's a number of his films where I just don't really see the brilliance in, and I can appreciate them just like from an art standpoint, but like. I just overall, I don't see like exactly what is so brilliant about them, but he has films like Mulholland Drive and Eraserhead. Oh my God. Yeah. And Eraserhead to me is one of the most inspiring films ever because like Mm -hmm. he made that film somehow off of like a few thousand dollars and it's insane how effective that film is like on every level, like from a prop and special effects Mm -hmm. level from just like, you know, just like a sound design, aesthetic level, like everything. It's, about it's like that a film. sensory overload, right? Like, yeah, kind of like it's what like every uh, avant-garde film should strive to do, in my opinion. It's Absolutely. to unsettle you in like the most abstract way possible. But yeah, like that's a he made that movie head. for nothing. <laughs> yeah, he, he made that movie with nothing. And it's still probably one of the most unsettling and scariest films that I've ever seen. Um, I agree. It is. It's. I mean, the film is just overall like a whole ass nightmare, and it's nightmare <laughs> fuel from start to finish. I mean, there are sequences in that film that, like, I don't get really unsettled, like you know, from like from a horror standpoint from films much anymore. But Eraserhead does a job every time. Um. So yeah, like even though honestly, I wouldn't even consider David Lynch to be like in my top five or even really top ten filmmakers of all time. Um. 
but just that film alone is super inspiring to me and inspires me mm-hmm. every day. So it's kind of weird in that way. <laughs> but like, if we're talking about like also current filmmakers that I feel like sure. are just inspiring. I mean, mm-hmm. the, 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 well, I like to call the kind of the, the A24 gang, which you have like Ari Aster, <laughs> Safties. Uh, Safties and Robert Eggers, Robert Those, Eggers. I mean, so incredibly inspiring. They all are dude. Like I absolutely, I, especially like, I don't know. Like I, if I had to pick a favorite between three of them as of an owl, I know that the easy answer would probably would probably be Robert Eggers, but it's three for three, man. But Ari Aster's film, I mean Ari Aster's films, they they resonate with me on a on an emotional, like on an emotional harrowing level that like none of the other filmmakers have yet so far. Like okay. Hereditary was like one of the most like harrowing experiences I've had in the theater in a very long time. <laughs> um, just yeah. that see everybody knows that sequence, like in the film, sure. Like happens in the first act. It is, that is just incredible filmmaking. And mm-hmm. overall, like there's something about Astor's films that he's able to touch such like a deep human level that I, I don't really see other filmmakers doing. And that's why I'm like, I'm really excited to see his new film with Joaquin Phoenix coming out. Hopefully this year. I don't know, but, the two hour, it's a three and a half hour yeah. cut that's coming. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, dude, that's 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 very true. That there's like there's a new wave of especially like DIY, like do-it-yourself filmmakers who yeah. thankfully are getting some funding, which is great. Um, I love the Safety brothers so much. Um, yeah, you you got me thinking about contemporary filmmakers that I adore. Um, and for anyone that knows me, this is a really obvious pick, but Anyone even in the Discord would know because my name in that Discord was Jake and Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kelly Reichardt is someone I've been obsessed with for a long time. And uh, Old Joy was actually the first film that I ever saw. Like I had a friend in college who actually showed me that movie, um, which if you've seen the film, it's like very, it's a very uh, tied to friendship and sort of that fading relationships that you have with, with the people in your life. Um, and I watched it with my friend and it was like a really profound in the moment experience. Yeah. Um, and I've really found that with all of her films, like for some reason they've hit me in the exact right places. Um, not to mention that she's, I really resonate with her style and like the tone of her films. They're really somber and they're really observatory, you know, like they, you kind of feel like a fly in the wall in these really intimate yeah. situations. Um, Really delicate. She's a really delicate filmmaker. Obviously, Wendy and Lucy, as for mentioned, uh, love that film. Absolutely amazing movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, First Cow is an amazing movie. Probably my favorite. I love First Cow too. Twenty twenty. Yeah, like, yeah, I've only seen First Cow and Wendy and Lucy, and I think they're both fantastic mm-hmm. films. I, I really want to see Old Joy. Old Joy um, is maybe my favorite by her. It's hard to pick. I always flip it around, but um, <laughs> but yeah, dude, like she it's one of those things where like my taste aligns with so much of how she views the world and how she moves the camera and how she writes dialogue and how she directs actors. Um, And it was like, she's like the filmmaker for me uh, in that regard. And, and I'm so glad that a 24 picked up first cow. Cause like, that's sad to say, like that's the biggest, biggest budget she's had in her career, even though it's a very, very modest budget. Um, um, but yeah, other movies I definitely recommend by her. Um, 
uh, Meek's Cutoff is a really great Western uh, that Meek's no one Cutoff. Yeah, that's another yeah. one I've been wanting to watch. Yeah, dude, it's it's very hypnotic. It's very uh, important uh, in terms of like gender dynamics and everything. Yeah. Uh, Certain Women, which you could also pick up on Criterion, is a great sort of anthology movie. Um, and yeah, I, I wanted to see that too. Yeah, I love neorealist cinema. Like I love Mike Lee and I love people like uh, Vittoria De Sica, like really humane yeah. stories um that's that's really become my you know personal like favorite subgenre of film so and she she embodies everything i love about it so yeah people yeah, check I've, out kelly reichardt please yeah i've been i've been really wanting to watch a lot more of her films dude like because if, I've, I've seen two films from her so far and i think they're both really great mm-hmm. um so you know hopefully sometime soon i could dive more into her into her works please um, do absolutely you, you may, you mentioned Mike Lee. I've only seen mm-hmm. Naked and Secrets and Lies. Um, nice, nice. I'll admit, I I watched Naked first, and re- not really that huge on it. Like, I think it's a good movie, but like, I okay. I didn't, you know, I didn't really resonate very well with me. Um, but Secrets and Lies, I think, is a masterpiece. Secrets and Lies really rocked my world. Like that film is brilliant. Like in every single absolutely, way. absolutely. Um, and it's a shame because like I feel like nobody really talks about it nearly as much as they should. And it got nominated for Oscars, which is like yeah. insane. Yeah. Like more people need to know about Secrets and Lies because that film, like from every standpoint you can think of, like screenwriting standpoint, acting standpoint, mm-hmm. directing standpoint, like it's just brilliant. Like it's just a brilliant film all hundred percent. hundred percent. I've really and admittedly, I have not seen Naked, which is his most interesting which yeah. is and i still call him like one of my favorite directors i don't know why i haven't <laughs> seen naked yet there's something wrong with me it's becoming <laughs> a meme though like it's just, i can't but i've literally seen like 15 of his other films which is crazy That's but yeah wild. it's wild yeah secrets and lies though a masterpiece yes um, absolutely shout out to mike uh we we really bonded over mike lee uh we taught we like life is sweet is is both we both like super support that movie um one of my favorite that's by far my favorite like mike lee film it's hilarious Interesting. Um, okay um it's just such a it's such a slice of life and i know that term is used so broadly but i truly believe that's one of the best portraits of a of a working class family that exists um sort of similar to like uh uh i don't know if you've seen anything of ken loach like i daniel blake or yeah um I've seen I Daniel Blake and uh, Sorry Sorry We Missed You. Yeah, Sorry We Missed You is the other one. Yeah, yeah like both this, really great films. <laughs> really great films. Um, Heartbreaking as hell, but oh my god, <laughs> yeah, not not easy to watch watch whatsoever. But um, I don't know, man. That's like it's my comfort food. Are movies like that? You know, like Mike Lee, Ken Loach, uh, even Kiristami in a weird way. I was um, just about to bring up Kiristami. Okay, great. Dude. Yeah, I yeah. was just about to bring Talk up Kiristami. Kiristami for me, dude. Oh my god! Like I, again, I have to thank really both Eric and Perry um, for getting me into Kiristami because um, again, if we're if we are talking about like more inspiring filmmakers and probably my favorite filmmakers of all time, I think Kiristami would definitely make that list. Um, me too. I mean, I mean, obviously he's he's an Iranian filmmaker and he just creates. He creates some of the most subtle pieces of filmmaking, but yet some of the most powerful pieces of filmmaking I've ever seen. Um, I mean, this guy, like he's obviously like a uh, more of a uh, minimalist filmmaker, but 
like he's able to say so much through that minimalist attitude that he embraces with his filmmaking. And I just, I can't get enough of it. I mean, close up is like, it's just, it, it blurs a line between art and reality so incredibly well. Um, that film mm-hmm. like brought a tear to my eye just because of, I don't want to spoil it too much, but just the content uh, that has to do with, you know, somebody who was also truly inspired by film. Mm-hmm. Um, just really, really great stuff. Um, yeah. There's a meta nature to close up. That's extremely powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're, if you're a film lover, that's like essential viewing. Um, I know we talked about where's my friend's house, which uh, in the Coker yeah. trilogy, which the Coker trilogy trilogy was what truly made me fall in love with Kiristami. Um, and then subsequently I watched, you know, certified copy and everything else, but yeah, that was a trilogy that really, I don't know if you've gone past where's my friend's house, but, or where's the friend's house? I always yeah. confuse it. Um, but dude, the, that's it, a stellar trilogy. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen any of them besides where's my friend's house. Uh, Eric actually watched both of them today or yesterday. I saw, and, yeah, I saw he, and he loved them. So like, I'm really, really excited to finally watch both of those films. Um, but yeah, like I I I really love Abbas Kiridostami. A certified copy is probably my favorite still. Um, that that was the first Kiridostami film I've seen, and it just blew me wow. away. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, from I mean, from every standpoint, I think the acting for both uh, Juliet Binoche and I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. Yeah, but he was he was great in the film. Fantastic. And he, he's and he's not even like a actor really like he's right. more like a opera singer i forgot he's, he's something else he's, he's an not... opera singer right right yeah, yeah. that's that's crazy and he, man and he absolutely kills it in the film and i don't know i just love the way that i love the way that the film tackles its themes because mm-hmm. um, you know a huge you know a huge aspect of the film is subjectivity versus objectivity and mm-hmm. like the value of them and you know which one should we give more value to per se right um you know i have a whole like video essay on it if you haven't seen it i highly i highly recommend it but like i just love the way that the film goes about exploring its themes i just think it's like mm-hmm. Dostami to me is probably one of the most intelligent filmmakers that i've ever witnessed he's <laughs> really really great i always i love the anecdote about him uh because before he died people would always say that he would never take off his sunglasses um, yeah. <laughs> even like indoors or like directing films or whatever, watching movies. Um, and yeah. And like, I always, I think that's so symbolic of like how intelligent he is. Like he seems like an otherworldly being like the sunglasses <laughs> yeah. give him the power to see the world like differently <laughs> than everyone yeah. else. That's um, true. Cause whenever I see a picture of him, he always has sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Certified copies an absolute masterpiece dude like i it, it it's like what you're talking about with subjectivity but like also like expectations that we have of each other as human beings yeah. um and basically how that movie kind of compresses an entire an entire lifetime of of trauma with another human being and sort of learning about each other and and like and how yeah. surreal of a turn it takes um and yeah Benoche is incredible in that film i'm, I'm so sorry love- to the to the opera singer but he's also incredible i think his uh, name is like william Shamel or something like that i could be wrong but i think that's sounds right somewhat yeah but i mean julie Benoche, i'm I, i'm in love with julie Benoche. i think like it's one of our greatest yeah she's probably i mean i, I don't know i don't want to go as far as she's my favorite actress but she's up there like she's really i want to i want to watch mm-hmm. more of her films but she's she's one of my favorite actresses for sure do you like uh, the first Three Colors movie? 
I've only seen three colors blue. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah. She's in that. Yeah. Yeah. She's incredible in that movie. It's an incredible performance. Yeah. Yeah. The movie in general is also fantastic. I I really need to watch the rest of the trilogy. Oh, yeah, Um, dude. I heard three colors red is like the best one. My favorite. But but I'm, yeah, I I own the box set, but I haven't watched any of them yet. Yeah. So so at some point I have to, I just have so many movies that I got to watch and I only really watch what you know my audience tells me to watch basically you know i only i only review the patron poll winners and right, the subscriber right. poll winners and that's it so i told i really have time for so i like i basically like i just have to hope one day soon it wins a poll or something i hope it does i w- <laughs> everyone vote for fucking three colors red it's a masterpiece <laughs> but the thing is i probably have to watch three colors white first because everybody says like true the true way it works <laughs> So I don't want to vote. For, I don't want three colors red to win. And then everybody's like, oh, you're watching it out of order. It's not going to make sense. No, yeah, you have to go in order. That's that's yeah. actually that's a bust. All right. So there's some filmmakers that I haven't named yet that I think were pretty influential to me. Um mm-hmm. And I think these are particularly important because they're Mexican filmmakers. Nice. Um, Alfonso Cuaron is one of them. Um, Amazing. I think like, I mean, especially some of his earlier works, uh, uh, Ita Mama Tambien, such an incredible movie. Um, and even like Children of Men, like as again, it's like one of the earlier films that I watched when I was like, like a senior, I think I was a senior in high school and I was just blown away by how well-directed that film was. Um, oh man, yeah. I mean, uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu, another incredible filmmaker. Uh, I mean, Amores Perros, Birdman, mm-hmm. The Revenant. I mean, every film that he's made is pretty much excellent. So uh, another just, and again, like his, like his, I don't want to say gimmick, but his shtick for a while was taking like three or four different stories mm-hmm. from different places and eventually yeah. like having them collide in some way. Intersecting um, plot lines like Babel yeah uh, 21 grams and stuff like that yeah yeah i mean i would say amores perros is like the best of them you know of of the three i think it'd be three of them um yeah, yeah. but Babel might be like a personal favorite of mine really um, yeah because Babel resonates with me so much like on an emotional level uh the ending to Babel, uh just with the use of score and the way it's directed it's just it's it hits such a deep level of melancholy and I really, really appreciate it for that. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, um, other filmmakers, I had like a bunch in my head. I'm trying to figure out which other ones. Oh, well, you know what? I'll say if we're, if we're on the topic of Mexican filmmakers, Carlos Regadas, um, he, again, like before the call actually started, we were talking about Japón. I think that's an excellent yeah. film as well. Um, Amazing. Yeah, like... Hapon, and again, like that's a film. It's pretty divisive in the Discord. Like, there's a good chunk of people in there that think it's whatever. But mm. like to me, like Carlos in that, like he's able to, like he's able to reach a level of both surrealness and also authenticity that like I haven't seen in a while. Um, because everything about that film at the same time feels authentic but also dreamlike. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, it, I know like Perry wasn't huge on it. He calls it a diet taste of cherry, <sighs> but like, yeah, but even like, I understand they have, <laughs> they have similar like plot lines, I guess. Similar intentions. But, yeah, yeah, definitely. But the, the approach to filmmaking is so entirely different. 
and yes. um very singular and, and yeah. hop is obviously a little bit more like boundary pushing it really goes there with a lot of different scenes but um yes. it's 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 a really unique and uh powerful film especially with the ending the ending is incredible the shot at the end is incredible just final shot yeah yeah i just i like i told you off mic i watched that film for the first time last night um and blind bought it on criterion which kind of was a gamble but i ended up loving the film and um the final shot's incredible but yeah then there was that um what really is sticking with me for some reason is there i don't know if you remember there's a shot of like 50 or 60 kids walking by as he's listening to music and it kind of just stays on his perspective and oh yeah i remember that incredibly yeah. impactful and Love really that scene really thought-provoking sequence yeah and that's i can't wait to watch um Forgive me if I butcher this, but Los Tenenbrock's Lux. Yeah, Los Tenenbrock's Lux. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to check that out. Yeah, that's after a Hapone. That's a great one too. And again, like his films are definitely going to be more divisive amongst people because he's sure. more on the avant-garde, like boundary pushing side. But um, I can see a lot of people finding Los Tenenbrock's Lux like boring or something. But to me, like again, like I. I like his ability to achieve something really unique and uh posted at Ross Lux is definitely that. And yeah, I mean, I, you, you have my recommendation. I definitely, I definitely suggest that you check it out at some point because uh, especially like with the ending felt really like Lynchian, oddly enough, it's, it really goes there with the ending. So I, oh yeah, I, I, I highly recommend it. That's a film I'd love to see on Criterion at some point. Oh yeah. Criterion, make it happen. Let's get all of his, uh, all of his catalog on there. I'd love yeah. to see more from this guy. Yeah, he has um, more films too that I haven't seen yet that are yeah. pretty good. So, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, dude, those are all great filmmakers. To you know, and I like how you're representing a particular region of the world. Yeah, um, I want to of, do that. Yeah, absolutely. It inspired me to talk about Japan because Japan really resonates with me, and especially like. Uh, I'll talk about the the main ones. Why not? I'm going to talk about Ozu and um, Kurosawa because yeah. in different ways, they kind of, they really introduced me to new heights when it comes to, to directing. And um, especially with Kurosawa, obviously, like obviously he's inspired a generation. Some would say most films you could trace back to Kurosawa's work. Um, and uh, like when I first saw most of his films, it was like, this is what the foundation of storytelling storytelling on screen, you know, boils down to, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and you know, and for better or worse, inspired a lot of populist filmmaking, uh, you know, with like Star Wars and shit. Yeah. Um, but you look at movies like Akiru and Kurosawa's oh, yeah. Dreams or Throne of Blood, like these are very, very boundary pushing films for the 1950s. Um incredibly well-realized movies uh camera work super innovative set design just impeccable like yeah I f his movies are kind of like just a clinic on in like we were saying with secrets and lies like on every basis from pre-production to post-production just a lot of his movies are perfect in my opinion and real quick on ozu that comes more of like a personal taste sort of thing because like i said i really love really sort of character driven films like that yeah um uh and yeah i dude. love all his films man but like ozu, good, dude ozu's fantastic like I I, I I tear up just thinking about good morning and late spring oh my god and yeah. how those movies make me feel 
I just um, watched Late Spring Today, by the way. Really? I just watched really? Late Spring Today, and I am absolutely in love with that film. <laughs> I think it's... I'm glad. I mean, it's such a beautiful film. Like, I I really, really loved it. Um, It, w- it was the subscriber poll winner, so... Nice. Um, I'm going to do my best to get that review out this weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I adored them. I, I've seen good morning as well too. Cause it was a, it, it was a discord wreck. Cool. So both of the films I love, but late spring definitely, mm. it definitely hit different. <laughs> it was really, really good. Oh yeah. And intelligent. Like he's a super intelligent filmmaker, you know, regarding human relationships, but also like Japan was like heavily industrializing at the time. And those movies yeah. really reflect like, the outside looking in on in terms of like yeah. people adapting to the world just drastically changing and how yeah. it affected families and parent to child dynamics and um even though we're all divorced from that era like none of us grew up in the 50s or watching ozu movies but they're so timeless and so just so they t- they speak on the human condition in a very transparent way for me um, yeah. Not to mention the fact that he doesn't use any camera movements, very rarely uses camera yeah. movements, um, and it's all about framing. Like, you can just learn so much watching Ozu movies. So, yeah, I noticed that when I was watching Late Spring, especially, I was like, every single shot in this movie is stationary. <laughs> yeah. But, it's but wild. so incredibly effective. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but to me, that movie is a lot about like the, um, um, just like how there's nothing you can do to stop. The changing world mm-hmm. um and like and there's nothing you could do as well uh you know to stop to stop uh deep feelings of sadness as well uh it's it's one of those films to where like you know it's it shows you the the, the impossibility of staying in the same happy place for the rest of your life and um just overall i think it's incredibly impactful and i like how the film you know it it obviously depicts the traditional uh, you know, view of, you know, marriage and dynamics between men and women. But I love how it it does, like, in, in a way, it it doesn't really, it like, it, it values tradition, but at the same time criticizes tradition. Like, I think it's, yeah. uh, it's a really good, like, exploration of it without, like, being so heavy on one side. And mm-hmm. I just think it's really nuanced in that regard. Yeah, he never makes a judgment call in his films. Like I really yeah. feel like it's he's a very subjective filmmaker. Um but yeah, and and uh like you were saying about um studying human like relationships and like how mm-hmm. you can't like the alienation of feeling like you can't stop the world changing, you know, like again yeah. a very timely thing that we can all relate to. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know, man. I just feel like he all of his films are timeless and i recommend anyone who wants to get into yeah. ozu just you know definitely definitely you got to get in that that headspace of you know his his movies are structured differently and they're paced differently than a lot of films that you you're used to seeing but he's a super rewarding director to dive deep into yeah i can't wait to watch more of his stuff man yeah. like i want to watch early spring and tokyo story and yeah and all that good stuff yeah, um, a quick shout out since we're talking about Ozu, but um, a film, a Japanese filmmaker, contemporary Japanese filmmaker, uh, Hirokazu Koreeda, um, who did uh, Shoplifters and he did Still mm. Walking. Um, I admittedly haven't gone super deep with his films. I've seen three, three out of like 20. Um, 
but I just watched Still Walking uh, very recently for the first time, and that is so inspired by Ozu, but it, you know, modernizes a lot of the themes and the mechanics of, of an Ozu movie in such a profound way. And that movie is as good as, if not better than uh, my favorite Ozu movies like Late Spring and Good Morning. Damn. So guys, check out that movie. It's a gem. No one really talks about it. Um, but I never is... heard about it until just now that you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, please, please put it on your watch list. Yeah, uh, it's on Criterion, guys. If you want to look for a blind buy, it's a fucking excellent film and just heart, absolutely heartbreaking. Um, and if you like food, it's a great food movie. There's some great, <laughs> beautiful shots of, of, of families preparing food. So, yeah, that's that's my two cents on Japanese film. Um, Tampopo vibes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's Yuzu. One of my favorite films of all time is Tampopo. So I want to watch his uh, previous film, The Funeral. Same here. Yeah, like I've heard great things about it. It's on Criterion, so it is. That might be one of my blind buys. Who knows? Oh, please, please. Uh, <laughs> Yuzo Itami needs more recognition, man. He really does. A, he's such a wholesome and just one of a kind filmmaker. I would say, yeah. even if you've just seen Tampopo, it's such a unique. It's just such a unique way of telling a story. It's so comedic and yeah. joyful, but also yeah. so heartbreaking. Anybody who knows me, like I, I really, really love wholesome content. <laughs> I'm, I'm too, a sucker man. for a wholesome material. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Um, yeah. Uh, who else did you want to bring up? I was thinking you? about it and I was like, who else? Who else should I really shout out as something that's like influential? We could, um, you, you could literally talk about any of those people on your shelf, I'm sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that really is true. Um, it's all right. Like, if you want, if you want, we could just, we could just move on. Let's just move on. Yeah. 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 Yeah, dude, your your Criterion Hall videos are very popular. I love them, and <laughs> thank you. I noticed that. Yeah, you're you're a big fan of physical media, so I thought it'd be fun yeah. to do a little spotlight on our some of our favorite physical media that we own because you know we gotta, yeah. like you said it off mic before, you, know, you gotta have some joy out of life, and why not spend you know hundreds of dollars that you don't have on on movies? You know, if they know. make you happy, fuck it. So. Yeah. So yeah, man, I grabbed a few. Uh, I grabbed a little stack of just of yeah, same. I also, yeah, also got a little stack. Um, and I did this like rather quickly. There might be like some here and there that you know I should have maybe included. But overall, this is like some of my favorites. Like in terms of packaging and stuff, like it's really exactly. good. And also just and just the packaging and also some. There's some in here that I just I just picked because I just really love the film. But <laughs> yeah, I I try to find a blend of like I genuinely love it. But also yeah. the packaging is just I could look at it all day, you know. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you can you go know, first. You're my, yeah, uh, you, you you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll you're go. my guest, man. You know. All right, <laughs> I'll go, man. So on the top of my stack, I got a film that I just mentioned. Really lovely. Uh, Itamama tambien. Um, this is actually my very first Criterion, and yeah, yeah and I did. This was I bought this before even knowing what the hell Criterion was. I just, I watched the film and I was like, I really want to own this movie. Okay. And I went on Amazon and I found that there was a really like expensive copy of it. Cause at the time, you know, it wasn't the sale. So when I got it, it was like 30, like $38 or some shit like that. And I said, fuck it. I want it. So I bought it, came in and it was fucking beautiful. Like you get a nice thick packaging, you know, like it's awesome. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, it's like the, um, uh, digipack kind of thing. 
And even though yeah. it was cool, some people say the only downside, it kind of has some wear and tear, which it, it does a little bit. But like, you know, it's great. Like, I fucking love this movie. And the the packaging in it is incredible, too. Um, it's gorgeous. Yeah, just overall, it has like a little booklet and everything. So it's it's great. Um, you know, it's been a very long time since I've uh, uh, since I since I've given this movie a rewatch. So I need to get on that at some point because there was a period of time where I watched it like three times in two months. And wow. ever since then I haven't watched it. So I need to, I need to give it another, another shot, but um, yeah, you're next. You yeah, do man. yours. Uh, don't hate me, but I actually, ha- I haven't seen each two mom attempt bed yet. And I, oh, own the cri- I own the criterion. I, I bought it. I bought it on sale. I think about a year ago and it's just been sitting there and I got to, I gotta, I gotta pull the trigger. I have so many blind buys that I have yet to throw on, and that's Dude, like my biggest embarrassment. Um, it's, my, it's my big embarrassment too. I have a shitload <laughs> of blind buys because before the patron picks, like, because I had, I did that like tier this this season where I had the patron picks. Before then, I had like, I still have like at least six or seven, or maybe even ten criterions that I haven't even seen yet that I had that I own. So, kind of embarrassing, but yeah. I'll, I'll get to it eventually. Yeah, I mean. Like we said, we're kind of we're junkies of about collecting <laughs> physical yeah. media. So you're gonna run into a few that you haven't seen. Um, but yeah, I'll go next, man. Uh, I got probably my top three favorite films right here, and and also was a blind buy. Um, and that is all that jazz. Oh, I dude, I, I haven't see seen the, it. The glare on there. But yeah, man, this was um. I've I have a friend from college who this was like his absolute favorite film and we went criterion hunting together and he sort of pressured me into buying it, you know, knowing my taste and sort of knowing my sensibilities and stuff. And I bought it. And it, like you said, with Ito to Mama Champion, dude, it was like, it was like five watches within the span of like maybe four or five months. I was showing everybody this movie. I was obsessed with it. Uh, I was emotionally and deeply affected by it. Um, so I kind of highlighted that, you know, like the packaging is really simple. It's nothing really to to speak on, but the fact that this was a blind buy and ended up being, you know, top three favorite films of all time. Like I consider this maybe if someone were to ask me the greatest film of all time, um, you know, on a mix of like subjective and objective taste, I would yeah. maybe say all that jazz can't recommend it enough. Um, Someone put that in the patron poll, please, for Carlos to watch. I want yeah. that review. Please. I haven't. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen all that jizz yet. <laughs> it's a film that I've been really, really wanted to see for quite some time. But like, I put on a poll at least once, and I think it came close to winning, but it didn't win. Um, for shame! It, it'll happen cool. again, though. I know, right? <laughs> I, I hope so. I just, I just want to see you talk about it, man, and. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a film that means a lot to me, and I, I if if I were to keep one movie in my collection, I always would say I'd keep all that jazz. Um, oh, and for awesome. anyone who's seen this movie, that's sort of weird to say because this movie's really depressing, somewhat nihilistic, and really, uh, oh, really, yeah. Um, I've seen it multiple times, though. I've dissected a lot of elements of this movie that maybe some people wouldn't agree with, but but yeah, man, I look forward to your your review one day. But yeah, that's. That's a great film. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Well, everybody I know really loves that film. So I'm really excited to check it out. 
All yeah. right. So for, for my next pick, this might be like, I don't know. Some people might be a little disappointed in me in this one, <laughs> um, but I know it's kind of normie core, but that's all uh, right. Interstellar. Ooh, baby. Um, this is like, okay. I know, honestly, I don't think there's a single soul in the discord that can relate to me and my love with this film. Um, like really the knowledge. Yeah. Everybody else at discord, they just, they kind of, I don't say they shit on it, but they just think it's whatever, basically. Um, but this, like, to me, this film is, yeah, again, I'll admit it's flawed. I mean, it has those mm-hmm. it has those Nolanisms where their writing is just like so on the nose and sometimes cringe. But the 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 accomplishments of this film vastly outweigh any of its weaknesses. And I think that like overall, like this is just like an incredible film. Uh, I mean, obviously, from a visual standpoint, it's it's absolutely remarkable. And um, I really wanted to point this out because I love like the just like the packaging of this because like you open it up. It looks really cool. Wow, that's you know, great. Open it up like this. It's just like to really like slick, you know, see if I can get it more in camera, something uh, something like that. But here, maybe like that. Yeah, there you go. That's yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah, like that's- it's just this. It's a really, really cool like packaging, and it's just like, again, like in terms of the the films that I would have to keep in my collection if I had a gun to my head, it might be one of them, just because of just how much I love the packaging to this. Um, so yeah, Interstellar, that's one. I know a lot of people are just like whatever about it, but I love the movie. No I man, care. I I will back you up on that. That on some days I would say is probably my favorite Chris Nolan movie. It's um, my favorite Chris Nolan for sure. That's uh, awesome because I. Again, I most people would argue the opposite, and I'm and you know say that's maybe his, his worst, worst one of his worst films. Um, but no, oh, you I, know what? I love that I'll, film. I'll um, you know, I'll, I'll reserve that it's my favorite because I forgot that the Prestige exists, and that's probably my favorite <laughs> one. Um, yeah, no, yeah, it's like for me, the other one would be like Memento, or even some days like you know Inception. I love Dunkirk, and I love a lot of his yeah. films. But yeah, like. In terms of emotional impact and, you know, putting things on screen that yeah. have never been put in a blockbuster film. Yeah. That movie's pretty singular, man. You yeah. Know, it's the 2001 for the, for our, for our generation. Yeah. I mean, you're way. right. Like emotionally it's, it's his, it's his most impactful. Um, oh, and the score God. from Hans Zimmer, like I know people, a lot of people oh, like, God. Sh- people like shit so on good. Hans Zimmer all the time now, but like, you gotta admit, like, I, I personally think his score for that film is incredible. Remarkable. Like, yeah like it's a it's a huge element as to why it is so emotionally effective Mm -hmm. the score just matches the film so incredibly well incredible in scope to uh hoyt the cinematographer actually yeah he just shot nope uh which is an incredible looking movie yeah um he is for my money one of the greatest working dps that we got and interstellar is probably his magnum opus yeah um i would say it looks incredible so yeah dude i agree that's 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 an incredible film and i love that little digibook that you got there so yeah it was like a special thing like on the day one release of it and i got it and it was i i don't regret it it looks looks great hell yeah hell yeah um yeah I, i'll follow that up with uh probably the the biggest purchase i've ever made when it comes to physical media um nothing like you know like the fellini box set on criterion or, or bergman box set. like i've never really gone over a hundred dollars for a singular item like other people have um yeah. But I got this uh, limited edition, uh, 40th anniversary edition of Suspiria 4K. Ooh. It's a 4K um, steelbook. I'll show you the steelbook in a second. But um, yeah, this was like 
90 bucks. I impulse bought it one day just because this is one of my favorite horror films ever. And um, especially in 4K, like, I don't know if you've seen the film, but um, visually just so striking and so colorful and really vibrant uh, horror film. So in 4K, I was like, here, I can actually show you some of the visuals on the back here. Yeah. The are like just that so, looks dope. Like, this is my prized possession, man. Like, when it comes <laughs> to like physical wow. media, I would never sell um, just because I could look at, I could just look at the packaging all day and it's just, it's just, it's just such a gorgeous piece of art itself. But yeah, not to mention, I love the movie. I love Argento and I love horror, Italian horror. So, I still haven't seen Suspiria, the original. Oh man. Yeah. I wish I've I seen could, I wish I could loan you this 4K. <laughs> I've seen uh opera. I thought that was a great film. It's a great movie. I own that too. Um yeah. that's that's a great little giallo. Um in my opinion though, this is Argento's I don't think people would argue it's like his magnum opus. Um nice. Um and one of the one of the last films to be processed in Technicolor, I believe. Like the coloration of this movie is just just mind-blowingly great. Um and yeah, man, I just I have to show it off. It's like it's such a it's a steelbook within like a slipcover sort of thing. So it's like it's it's just the best. <laughs> I mean, I love the movie. Well, the the packaging looks really awesome, dude. So yeah, yeah. Please I'm, please check it out. You know, I, recommend I will eventually. Anyone. Yeah, I know Eric really likes likes it. So I'm oh, pretty cool. sure he's pretty sure he's extremely jealous that you own that. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So up next, I got. Barry Lyndon. Mm. So, like, it's crazy because for the longest time, A Clockwork Orange was my favorite Stanley Kubrick film, but now it's Barry Lyndon. Um, wow. And it's it's insane because, like, Barry Lyndon is a film that I feel like a lot of people sleep on because of not only its runtime, it's like three plus hours long, but because of the fact that, you know, it's like a period piece and I could turn a lot of people off and say, oh, it's boring, it's kind of standard. It's not. This movie is pretty much unlike anything you've ever seen, surprisingly. Um, yeah, it's like every way I think this is masterful. Obviously, this film, I don't want to say it has the most gorgeous, has the most gorgeous camera work that I've ever seen, but it's at least top five. Um, this really is one of those films where like every shot is a painting. I know it's like a cliche mm-hmm. thing to say, but it, like if it applied to any film, it would be this one. It's just yeah. like from start to finish, it's gorgeously shot. Um, yeah. I mean the the characterization and just the the narrative and where it goes is uh it's it's riveting. You would you wouldn't think a three hour plus period film is riveting, but it really is from start <laughs> to finish. Um, yeah, yeah, I absolutely love Barry Lyndon. I have a video by the way on Barry Lyndon. Uh, you know, trying to give people three reasons why to like stop what you're doing and watch Barry Lyndon right now. <laughs> and um, you know, if you haven't seen that, check you know, uh, try to take try to take some time and check that out. But absolutely. Yeah absolutely love barry linden it's it's an incredible piece of filmmaking i do too i i actually had the pleasure of seeing that movie for the first time in a revival theater um with a 4k print and yeah you you're you're right on with the the visuals like it is so sumptuous and just like a renaissance painting came to life sort of deal like it is straight out of history that movie on a visual level um and like the the cinematography was all done with natural lighting like natural candle lights yeah which is, um, crazy. So the, which is like yeah it's unheard of nowadays um and i agree that's like after the shining which is my personal favorite kubrick that is like a close number two like that is a 
that is a film I adore, um, not even from a technical level, uh, but also I think some of the best character work he's ever done, in my opinion, which is kind of a hot take because he's had some incredible character work. But but the journey that uh, Ryan O'Neill goes through in that movie is absolutely incredible. And just, yeah, yeah, man, I, owe that, I have the criterion. I got to rewatch it very soon. That's a great that's a great uh, callback to your love of Kubrick, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Of course, you have you i would say you have to rewatch it very soon very soon <laughs> i'm sorry i like i like stupid puns like that <laughs> yeah man and yeah check out his video check out the video i will if i rewatch it i will definitely throw on your review right at or whatever video highlighting Perry Linden right afterwards um yeah it's a great film um yeah my next thing i got is a little i know i said i don't buy box sets very much but i had to when it comes to this because um this is a filmmaker i actually didn't get to talk about in our i've totally forgot to bring him up but uh cassavetti's oh um, dude this box set that um you pretty much always i always ran into it when i'd go to these barnes and noble hunts um and i eventually just became very into his work as a filmmaker and i was like okay i really have to splurge like a good 70 bucks to get this thing um it's got five films in it um um you know, shadows faces woman under the influence chinese bookie opening night which in my opinion are all fantastic films yeah. but woman under the influence is a masterpiece one of the greatest performances on film ever and jenna um, rollins jenna rollins Insane. is absolutely magnificent in that yeah. movie um if anyone wants to get into cassavetes i'd always say that's a great place to start even though that's like more of his yeah. like complex and you know sort of tougher movies to watch but that movie is such a such a bleak portrait of marriage and 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 motherhood and humanity and um yeah dude i cassavetes like i like i said i love character driven filmmaking and this that's what cassavetes does best um i i really wanted to get that box set in the last haul but i, I couldn't afford it so i was like oh, damn it oh dude but, oh man yeah but fucking um opening night is a fantastic film too incredible another great jenna Rollins performance like a really meta weird sort of yeah intoxicating performance um um killing a chinese bookie is sort of like his take on um uh, um sort of a mob movie but more of like a criminal underbelly sort of movie um I, that's one that not a lot of people talk about but that's a really really interesting film maybe stylistically like his most interesting film i've seen so um and faces uh and shadows are very foundational i haven't seen them in a long time but yeah this is a great set man um quick shout out to other movies he has in criterion love streams and husbands are both fantastic movies yeah. by cassavetes they're not in the set but uh, i own them both on regular criterion but they're both fantastic movies um yeah, I can't say enough great things about Cassavetes. You know, we were talking about the 70s, then this guy is, he's up there as my favorite of that era. He just, he defined independent filmmaking going forward, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I, I really want to watch more of his stuff. I've only seen A Woman Under the Influence and Opening Night, but I, just from those two alone, I'm convinced that pretty much all of his films are probably great in some way. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, all right, I'm going to move on to my next one. And this is a film that we were talking about earlier, and that's uh Scarface. <laughs> I have that too, man. <laughs> you had the same one? I got the I got this one second. Yeah, you got the steel book. 
I got it, man. <laughs> Holy shit. That's awesome, dude. Cause I remember because like my my brother bought me this like forever ago. And I tried looking for it like, you know, just to see if they had this shit on sale anymore. And I, I mean I personally couldn't find it anywhere. So it's like such a cool like look at the back yeah. and everything. Yeah, same one, dude. It's <laughs> so I got it. I'm like, I just love I love the I love the steel book. Like it's just so fucking awesome. So inside. Sick. Yeah, it also comes with the original Scarface as well. Oh my god, I totally forgot. I meant to watch this. Yep. Damn. That's so cool. Yeah, dude. Just I mean, I know we already talked about it, but just a it's it's my favorite Brian De Palma film still. Uh my second favorite's probably Dress to Kill. Ooh, but wow. um but that's a, Scarface is great. That's a wild one. Um yeah. I could do a whole podcast on De Palma, honestly, man. I think he's such a fascinating filmography. Um, yeah, Scarface rules. I mean, what what else could you say about it that has been said? Um, Al, pa- Al Pacino is incredible. Great design. <laughs> yeah. Great uh, portrayal of a Cuban in- immigrant in that movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, absolutely. Um, so I got one more here. Okay. Uh, sort of wrap things up. Um, you probably haven't heard of this film, but this is I just got this in the mail about two days ago. Uh, it's a Dennis Hopper movie called Out of the Blue. Um, and this, Ooh, I, you, might awesome. heard, you might have heard of this film, but this yeah, probably, this is the one that Dennis Hopper actually directed, right? He directed this film, yeah. uh, came out in the 1980s. And there's many reasons why I included this. Uh, the main one being is that this movie was damn near impossible to view for so long. And I admittedly, I don't like torrenting movies at all. But when, yeah. when I first heard about this movie years ago, I had to find a link online to watch it because there's literally no other way to watch it. But now we got this 4K restoration by uh, Severin, which is a great underground uh, Severin, uh, company. Yep. Yeah, Severin's great. And this was by far like the, the best thing they've ever released in terms of quality. Because normally they do like sort of B-movies and like yeah, old Italian horror stuff. Um, no disrespect to that stuff. But this is like a quality, like in my opinion, one of the best dramas, um, American dramas of all time. And um and it's hard to say because like no one could be like, oh yeah, totally. Cause like that movie is not widely seen and it's not in circulation. Yeah. Um, but I I recommend I hope there's ways to stream it now. Um, because it's in circulation again. It's shown in theaters all over the country. Um, but yeah, guys, check out Out of the Blue by Dennis Hopper. It's a it, it's a very impactful and just beautifully told movie. And like Dennis Hopper's not necessarily known for his directing, but this movie's directed with so much passion. And so much personality and so much just exuberance. Um, deeply depressing film, I should preface it. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I just got this in the mail and I'm super excited to check it out. Like hopefully this weekend I'll rewatch it. And yeah, guys, uh, yeah. this is like, yeah, check it out. <laughs> it, it, gets, it gets it gets talked about a lot in the Discord and pretty much everybody really digs it. So Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, I actually have a, I actually have a Severin. Oh, hold on a second. Uh, oh, Santa yeah, Sangre. Yeah. Santa Sangre is on seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like again, like you said, they usually they kind of produce like a lot of like B movie stuff. Sure. But like you know, every now and again they have stuff like this, which yeah. is like a genuine like a just a great piece of art. So you got a Jordowski on there. You got a Dennis yeah. Hopper film. Yeah, yeah. You're you got your gems. Um, yeah, man. Uh, okay. Um, I'll just. Do you have anything okay. else? I do have. Th- I'll speed run through these really quick. Okay, okay, go um, for it. 
So we got Son of the White Mare. Um, oh, is a, yeah, yeah. It's an animated film from Hungary, I think. Hungary? I'm not sh- I hope I'm right. But um, yeah, this is this is a really great film. I love the packaging. I have a review on this film, but the packaging is really cool. Like it goes in like this, you know, you kind of take it out like that. Um, and yeah, like overall, like it's just that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's really great to look at. That's um, an animated film, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's an animated film. Cool. And and uh, this is a recent release too. They just released this like last year. Oh, nice. Um, and then you got uh, Irreversible, Gaspar <laughs> Noe. This is the uh, indicator, huh? Yeah, the indicator one where it comes with both the chronological version and the original reverse wow. version. Wow, wow! Um, I haven't crazy. even opened it yet because most people know who follow my channel. I don't really open them until I watch them. So um, one of these days I'm going to rewatch it. I don't know when because it's going to fuck me up. But there it is, right there. <laughs> um, so I got that, and then we got the uh, Midsummer. Whoa. Um, I've never cat. seen that before. Wow. That looks like yeah. a novel. Yeah. It's really <laughs> cool. Crazy. Yeah. This is uh this is the the um director's cut they released off of the A24 website. And it's really, really cool. Like you open it out like this, and it's just like so damn, beautiful. that's cool. Yeah, the back, like the bear on fire. And it's just really fucking cool. Like this is one of the coolest Blu-rays I own. Yeah, I love the colors on that thing. Yeah, this comes with like a booklet of all kinds of like a lot of the drawings and stuff that are like at the con. Sure. They have all that stuff. So that's gorgeous. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing Blu-ray. I love it. Wow. But yeah, that's about it for me, man. Sweet, a great, great plethora. I think that we presented to everybody. Um, yeah, we're winding down here, man. Uh, I just want to yep. say. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. I really appreciate it. Like I said, we've talked, we've always talked, you know, through DMs and stuff. I've been in and out of the discord multiple times yeah. and um, yeah, dude, I appreciate you coming on. I, I love what you do. In no the problem at all, man. Thanks for having space. me on. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And guys, a great time. Yeah. Everyone listening, please subscribe to the misfit pond. I will put a link in the description. Um, Thank Most you so likely much. you'll see you'll see a lot of uh, promotion for this episode. Um, but yeah, guys, thanks for listening. Keep watching movies and I will see you in the next Jake centric episode. All right. And also everybody who's watching it on my channel. I don't know if it's going to post it on wherever, but whoever's watching it and knows me, please subscribe to the Cinebombs because they're awesome. Thank you so much. No problem. No problem.